Hello and welcome. I'm Haini. I'm Simon. I'm Alexander. We are Needip in Tech, covering the latest from the IT industry with a specific focus on Microsoft and how to get actual value from technology. This is episode 235, recorded on August 29th, 2023. You will be able to find this and our previous episodes on needypintech.com, iTunes, Spotify, and on most podcasting platforms. And we are here for a focus episode this time. Yay! I feel focused. <laughs> you feel focused? Yeah. Excellent. You will be even more focused after this focus talk. The question is, will we be focused enough? That is a good question. I've lost we focus. Will... <laughs> we will see. What we're going to be talking about today is that I think the last year has been a little more tumultuous. Tumultuous, is that a word? In the tech industry than maybe the past years have been. Uh, there has been a lot of layoffs that we've seen in big companies and small companies. And it just hasn't been as stable as it has seemed previously. Uh, At least that is how it has looked for me. So how have you seen this situation? Has it been the same perception for you or is it is this just me? No, I, I'd have to agree. I mean, we all saw the the big layoffs, Microsoft, for instance, where they, they axed entire organizations within within Microsoft. And a lot of the really big players followed suit or in, in some cases did it first. So there has been a huge uptick in, in layoffs and in many ways, completely unexpected layoffs. Um, but the more I think of it, is it just the, the bigger ones or has this happened to the smaller players as well? I would say the opposite. So I would say that all the partners I'm working with like and even large companies uh, even though not the size of the hyperscalers are desperately seeking for more stuff so my view it might not be the real deal but my view is that it's it's the biggest ones that have been letting people go but a lot of the smaller partners are thriving and are actively searching for people that aren't existing And that's what I see in the, the Nordic market in terms of consultants and on, on staff hires as well, that there are way more open positions than there are possibly skilled people to fill them with. And I think that we will get into more of that later on, but I think that's why we see uh, possibly more movement than it's like, uh, What's the, the, the game in, in English um, where you move around chairs and you just try Musical to find your chairs? chairs? Musical chairs. Yeah, oh, exactly. yeah. But there are way more chairs <laughs> than people. <laughs> But since everyone is constantly running around, you don't notice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Now that I think of it, I do see mm. that quite a lot as well in like the surrounding companies that I know people from and things like that 
I do think there's a lot of positions actually open and those to be filled. And also, uh, there has been quite a variance between the, like, the different types of companies and also a little bit between different areas of tech. So what mm-hmm. I have seen is that some of the purely developer companies have been struggling a little bit. But then if you have something else, then those have been very much thriving. But that could be very, I guess, uh, localized as well, what I've seen here in Finland. But where I wanted to get with this kind of intro discussion is to talk a little bit about how to stay current in the job market and make yourself valuable in the job market. What do you think? What are the kind of skills that are actually most valuable to you as a tech professional? Ooh, I think this is a very... So what I see as valuable and what I encourage the people that I support in various ways to get is really like how to understand the organization you will be working with like understanding organizational needs the core or soft skills that's what i would value if i were to hire someone and that's what to to me personally has always been what i see as my strength that i i'm knowledgeable from a technology point of view but i have other skills that combines that however at the same time I do see that a lot of companies are hiring solely on technical skill and what might be certifications or something like that. So I'm struggling here because I do think it's all companies says they want people that have other skills combined with technology skills. But then if you look at what people they are hiring or what uh, requirements they set out it's very technical and that is a very limited group of people that are able to fulfill their requirements that that's my very complicated view on things and i'd have to agree um you're essentially saying that you want to make sure that you're part of the solution yeah, uh, you don't want to be part of the problem, and if someone, <laughs> and and, and I'd, I'd argue that there's so many people who are solely focused on their tech skills on on its own, standing on its own, mm. that you are risking falling into part of the problem trap, because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you need to figure out how you can benefit your employer or your prospective employer. Mm-hmm. Because if, if you can't figure that out, why should mm-hmm. I hire you? Mm-hmm. So absolutely learning about your skills, how to apply those skills to that specific company where you're applying for a job or, or mm-hmm. in what situation you're, you're in. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's this application of skills that is more relevant in in my view. And I've said this a thousand times, I can always train people who don't have the the deep technical knowledge. I can't train people for attitude. Mm -hmm. Um, And of course, I I need some basic 
or basic is the wrong word, some base, I should say, base skill set. Uh, mm. But I can probably train just about anyone with, with a, a reasonable grounding in, in tech to, to do what I need them to do. Mm. Yeah, I have to say I'm very much in line with both of you. And I'm just wondering, is this just like we happen to be aligned or is this the general <laughs> consensus out there? But I don't think it's the general consensus. I do think that we are very biased because we mm -hmm. all um, take pride in being a what we see as multi-skilled professionals, which we value. Mm. But I have a lot of contacts that are super knowledgeable when it comes to technology, and they and and they, this might again be my imposter syndrome speaking. But I do see that there is a big group of people within tech that sees that the technology, deep technology skills they possess, which are remarkable in all the cases, should always take precedence over whichever soft skills you combine a less technical knowledge with. So I, I do think that there are two, or at least two, very different groups currently available in the market. Uh, and I also do think that one of the challenges is that if you're a manager, how to know what you're hiring? Mm. Because look at, I, I, I do think that uh, looking back at all of my managers, I've had managers that have been deep technical experts. I've had managers that have all only been managers. They know very little about technology uh, and everything in between. And when you're hiring, especially senior people within IT today, can you do that without understanding technology? Or how do you judge uh, a person based on what they say in their CV or something similar to that? So I do think we are biased. And I also think that's why we three have a podcast together. <laughs> <laughs> we at least agree on something. Yeah, we agree on that we three are remarkable. <laughs> smooth. No, but to, smooth. To, to add to that, I, th I think it's important to point out that we, the three of us are firmly in the senior bracket. Mm -hmm. And that means that our, uh, our playing field is not the same as a junior or yes. a mid-level uh, mm -hmm. person. So, mm -hmm. And the farther up the food chain, if you will, you get the more important it generally, not always, but generally becomes that you're able to uh, work with multiple teams, interface between different kinds of, of skill sets mm -hmm. of, of people. And it, it, it it's essentially be becomes um, being a glue. You mm -hmm. need to figure out, again, how to be part of the solution. And the solution might not necessarily be strictly technical. Mm. Um, and then... The, the other side of that coin is also that um, a, being a manager, in my view, is a skill set, just like being yeah. a DBA. Can you be yes. more successful as a manager if you have a, a more um, wider range of, of skills? If you know some databases, if you know some networking, if you know some, some, some uh, Windows servers, absolutely. But this is applicable to all walks mm -hmm. of life. There is nothing... There, there's no such thing as too much knowledge, mm -hmm. in my view. We can maybe agree on this point, but say that maybe we are not uh, giving all the views that there are out there. 
So uh, mm-hmm. also, I think it's a point for people that if you are really interested in the deep technical details, even if we're like, well, you need to have also uh, communication skills and so forth, there is definitely a place for all kinds of skill sets in the job market. Yeah. Definitely. And and I do think that's very dependent on the organization you work in yeah. and how that works and how you inter um like interconnect within the organization. But mm-hmm. I would also like to say that what I feel that we to some extent and, and please let me know if you have a different view on it, I think what we have lost in the market is entry level IT jobs. Mm-hmm. And that is a huge challenge mm-hmm. because I've, I've been fortunate to speak to like uh, educational centers which are training people to be cybersecurity technicians or network technicians or whatever it might be. And they come out from school and they have a great skill set on paper and, and I have the highest trust in, in, in the organizations that are training them. But they are still dropped into the IT pond. And if I compare to how I started, I started in a call center. I worked my way up to delivering computers, on-site support, and I've I've gone that entire route. And I've learned things on the way. And I do think we are making it much harder to get into IT than it should really be necessary Mm -hmm. to be. And that will impact the job market moving forward. And I would argue that all the chat gpt shit <laughs> and i I'm, I'm i'm using that word that is essentially pissing in the pond because let, let me explain my my thinking how do you use copilot is copilot a good thing i think copilot is fantastic for me because i'm a mediocre programmer at best <laughs> but i know what i want to achieve yep. and i know enough python i know enough of most languages to see that, uh, okay, that's a creative way of solving this, but I understand where we're going. So I, mm. I am qualified enough to hold chat GPT's hand and somewhere down the line, I think we're going to end up with something that not only compiles, but also works reasonably well. Now, how did I get there? Well, I got there by banging my poor head against every programming wall there is. I figured out a multitude ways of how not to write code, mm-hmm. meaning that I had to fail consistently. And I had to really think that I was a sucky programmer because that's where you start. And ChatGPT is essentially eliminating all these junior positions, meaning that we don't have a new talent pool coming up mm-hmm. because nobody wants to hire people with, with no skill. It's easier to just go, well, let's, let's use chat GPT. Mm-hmm. And I think we're poisoning the well. I think that that is the dark side of, of AI that we are not talking about. Sure. You're going to be able to save money in the, sh- in the, the short run, but everyone who's, who's been in the industry knows the whole idea of, 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 of offshoring. It never works. It never, ever works. At the end, you need to bring everything back and pay Mm -hmm. twice the money that you could have uh, done it from the beginning. Yeah, very interesting point. I have to say I had not thought about that aspect uh, for a while. Uh, 
not sure how that goes, but interesting point. I haven't paid attention to that. But to some extent, and, and please correct me if I'm wrong, you did. You have taken another path than me and Alexander has, because mm-hmm. you came from a completely different area. Yeah. Um, and and then applied that together with technology. Yeah. Uh, which it, which I do also think is like important to state and i've done sessions on this as well like you figured out how to apply what you already knew and the experience you have had and the way you have worked your way up to where you were in your former job and then apply that on a completely different technology area and Mm -hmm. that's really where i see uh, and and my, my friend meron as an example she came from basically nowhere and is now super successful within the power platform area and that's the like the real only place where i see that we're actually allowing people to try like i think power platform has really enabled a new kind of people entry to the it industry and that is great because we have the need for people within that area of technology but we can't forget the other things that still mm. will be there. We we can have all the AI and the cloud services, but we will still have switches. We'll still have servers. We'll still have everything else, which requires people to do the entry level entry level job at first, and then if they want to, because not everyone wants to, they can thrive in the the bigger ecosystem. I'm surprised yeah. how how passionate I am about this. <laughs> I I can tell. Yeah. When I think about how I got into the IT, it's kind of, I feel Mm. like I happened to be in the right place at the right time and just had like a, Mm. you know, a great opportunity fall on my lap by having like a junior consultant position from the very get-go and working alongside somebody who has worked in the IT field for a long time and really starting with architectures (laughs) and not Mm. with switches. (laughs) So I've kind of had to in some areas, work my way backward in some cases, mm-hmm. you know, to the details and understanding actually what happens behind the scenes. But on the other hand, I think it worked well for me and how I happen to learn things that it's easier for me to get the big picture and then go to the details rather than the other way around that start with the details and not understanding where does it fit in. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. But I think we do definitely need all those different kinds of entry-level ways to come in, whether it is like a junior position, more like a mentorship type of entry, and then that kind of jobs where you are maybe doing something more with instructions or putting in courts or whatever and going from there. So I think there's definitely a need for both, both, both kind of approaches. Question then for for both of you. And are we tricking ourselves in this? Because Alexander just stated, and uh, in in a way that will make us get an E on Spotify again, which is something we always strive to get, AI. If we were to go out and when we're done with this episode, throw that in the hands of the people that are in university or just finished school or that are young, and new and are so passionate about AI and everything that's going on, will they agree with us? No. 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 (laughs) And this is where I struggle. This is where I literally have nightmares. Because (laughs) 
hear, hear, hear me out. So from my perspective, from my 25 years in this industry, AI as is, it's being touted, the whole um, large language mod, models thing, it has a very, very narrow use case. If you stay inside of that very, very narrow use case, like a chatbot, for instance, then it is a fantastic tool. And clearly generative, um, is it called generative something, something? Like like image generation or, or okay, those yeah, things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, it's fantastic. That is a great use case for it. It is really, really good at it. But from my perspective, someone said, oh, let's, just, just like um, Donovan Brown put it, let, let's sparkle some... some um, DevOps. DevOps on everything. <laughs> and suddenly we are forcing AI on everything. And this is almost like a call to arms to, for, for venture capitalists. Because if you say <laughs> AI, or if you just write AI somewhere, someone's going to come by and, and, and toss billions on you. And, I mean, come on. I can't see anything else than just hype and crap. Now, here's what <laughs> scares me. People that are way smarter than I am are seeing smart things with AI. So what am I missing? Is it me being stubborn and being right, in air quotes, or am I being completely outmaneuvered by people who see things from a completely new perspective that I simply do not do. I don't know. And that is keeping me up at night. I think we will circle a little bit back <laughs> to our <laughs> original topic. <laughs> to my nightmares, yes. Yes. <laughs> oh. But the next topic might be something that I have nightmares about. <laughs> oh. So uh, I want to ask you about... What do you think is the role of personal branding in kind of keeping yourself relevant in the job market? Because personal so this branding... this question goes to Simon. <laughs> yeah. Personal branding Why is something that? that I'm just like, oh, I even hate the term and the idea and just like, ugh. But still, I think I probably do it to some extent. But what is your kind of view on this? I'm wondering why Alexander's pointing at me. Um, I assume that of us three, I'm the person who actually think most about my personal brand. Yes. And I think that... Mm. <laughs> I, I don't know if I want to reply from Alexander on this when I'm done, uh, but I do think that I, I have a plan and i've had a plan for my personal brand ever since i actually started to be someone within the technology area and i do think that my view is that both of you are actually more natural you have built a personal brand without intentionally doing so um and and it might be many reasons for that but to me my personal brand is very important that I take a lot of pride in that and I can be absolutely furious with people that in various ways actually have a negative impact on my brand. Uh, and we can have examples of that. But yeah, I, I, I care a lot. I do some things very intentional. 
and I have a plan for a lot of things that I do. And it's not that I try to trick someone, possibly other than myself, because I think that is the biggest thing, that I really want to separate who I am at work from who I am when I'm not at work. But I, I built a brand and I feel very comfortable with that. Uh, and we can go into that. And I think it's it's been very successful uh, I up until now. And, and uh, I'm proud of it. Do you think that personal brands have an effect like on the job market when you are applying for a job? I think so. Uh, like <laughs> that to say something else would be to say that I'm, I'm lost. Uh, but yes, I do think so because I meet people that know who I am and most of them know that for positive reasons. Uh, so I can go into a lot of places, vendors, competitors, possible uh, employers, customers, whatever it might be, and they know my name. So what Simon is doing is very un-Nordic, if you will. Yes. <laughs> uh, the, the law of Jante is yes. a big thing in the Nordics, mm -hmm. especially in, in Sweden, Norway, and, and Finland. Mm -hmm. So this, this is anathema to, to everything that I've been brought up to do. The whole mm -hmm. idea of a personal brand, me pushing myself in your face. It's mm -hmm. I, I, it, it just makes my skin crawl. Having said that, Simon is the smart one of this yeah. trio. <laughs> because Clearly. it doesn't matter what I think. I hate it. Just look at my blog. I'm a terrible blogger. But it works. And it is the right way to do things. At our level, I should say. Um, I find it unlikely. Well, let me rephrase that. If I find some super... Um, loud new person with 25 minutes of experience and a huge web page and a LinkedIn page like flashing lights and, and music and all those things that is going to impact in my view my, my view of you negatively but otherwise yes you should absolutely promote a, a personal brand there are ways to do it that are not as um, overt as the, the Simon Binder master plan. But hey, it works for you. I couldn't do what you do. You probably couldn't do what we do. Nope. So as you put it, we, we Hindi and I are more um, accidental um, <laughs> personal brands. Uh, but that also means that we will, and I know for a fact that I have, miss out on uh, opportunities that would have been good for me in, in the long run. You're more uh, focused, and mm -hmm. you do not let any opportunities run through your fingers, uh, which is scary to see because I'm, I'm just amazed that you're able to do it and also highly frustrating because <laughs> am I talking to Simon, my friend, or am I talking mm. to Simon, the guy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or I should knows? say the Simon. the Simon. I have so many questions. <laughs> but going going back to you, Haney, you said that this was your nightmares. Yeah, I, I guess Why? I have the similar effect that it just like 
makes me puke <laughs> the idea of it <laughs> of personal branding uh, maybe it's the finnish aspect of me and all that but it's you know as alexander said i haven't been taught to like put myself out there and all that and it just feels very unnatural and and i guess i in a like a general way have kind of like this mentality of I'm what I am, take it or leave it type of thing. So in a way, uh, I also find it hard to express that through mediums like LinkedIn and Twitter and things like that. Sorry. (laughs) And rather than actually like meeting people and being on stage and things like that, that is much more easy to convey that rather than in, through other mediums for me. So it's also maybe a factor of not knowing how to express myself in a way that feels natural in these other platforms or like mediums that I have to use even. But I do think that I maybe have some sort of personal brand, just, you know, based on what I do and things like that. In a way, I think we cannot even avoid having some kind of personal brand some level even if we don't aim to have it no and then i'd argue that just because you've explicitly not tried to build your your personal brand your personal brand is integrity and mm-hmm. that has worked out very very well for for you so nobody would think twice and and, and call you a a construct. Uh, not that I would call Simon a construct either, but <laughs> no. it, it's it's clear that Simon has, has yeah. put in so much more uh, focus and details, detail-oriented on, on things mm. that I wouldn't even think of. So I, I would say that we are talking about brand now, and that might sound very much Wolf of Wall Streety uh, mm. in a not-too-good way. But if we change the word to reputation... Mm. We all have a reputation. Exactly. The difference is that I've decided to control my reputation to further extent than you have. Mm. So I, not saying that it's good or bad, but I try to take control of my reputation and how people mm. externally sees me, while you simply don't care. You do what you love and you do that in a fantastic way. and. That is your reputation. And like, if we were to bring in a psychologist in this, they would probably say that, yeah, I know one of you that have issues and two that has not. Uh, (laughs) In trying to to control what other things of you. Um, And I couldn't argue because I think that is, and, and like you said, you have been brought up in a certain way. I honestly don't think that we were brought up very differently. But... I might have a higher, I care way more about what people thinks of me than I think either of you do. That that could be the case. <laughs> and there is an age difference between us. And well, that is part uh, of it. <laughs> well, well, are, am I on your side or Simon's side? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just an old I'm not going to answer that. <laughs> Just going to move on, but very good. 
very yeah. good points. And definitely, so the the whole the whole idea of personal brands and after you you twisted it to to reputation, mm-hmm. that is yeah. something that I would love to revisit in a yeah. future um, yeah. focus segment because this, you know, putting it into a reputation really mm-hmm. shook something loose in my my mind. Yeah. I need to think about yeah. this. It changes the tone of the entire word, like completely yeah. differently, and maybe that's yeah. just like we have a very specific association with the word brand that does not ring very mm. well or anything like that. No, it's it's yeah. a negative connotation for yeah. us in the Nordics. Just as kind of to tie everything up, if we really think about kind of the job market and how you mm. settle into the job market, a lot of times you get recommended for jobs due to your reputation. It might not be your presence in the social media, but it is somebody that you know. Yeah or somebody who knows somebody that mm. you know, and that is so common. So we definitely do very much kind of present ourselves in the job market also through our reputation. I like that word much, much more than our personal brand. Uh, you, you tie that up in a magnificent way. Well done, well said. So thank you all for joining this chat. Let us know, of course, what you think and share your ideas. We would love that. And we will be back again in a week time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Need in Tech. Need in Tech is a bi-weekly technology podcast hosted by Alexander Arvidsson, Simon Binder, and Heini Hilmaninen. If you have any feedback, questions, or would like to be part of an episode, please reach out to us on social media or via email at podcast at